KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. So we are still experiencing supply chain issues on multiple fronts, and we really wanted to dig into this. What are the causes of the problems? How long are these delays and issues expected to last? Are lessons being learned to make things better going forward? For this conversation, we caught up with Dr. Subodh Kumar. He is the Paul R. Anderson Distinguished Chair, Professor of Marketing and Supply Chain Management at Temple University's Fox School of Business. Give a listen. So I wanted to start by kind of talking in general terms. I understood at the beginning of the pandemic supply chain issues. We were in an unprecedented situation. I kind of understood as people went back to work and a little closer to regular life supply chain issues because, you know, there were, were quick turnarounds on supply and demand. I am genuinely surprised that we are still having issues. Should I be as kind of a a, a regular quote-unquote person that, that we're still having these problems? Uh, you know, first of all, the problem we are having right now, it did not happen just suddenly. It, this was ongoing problem for quite some time. What pandemic really did to us is that pandemic made it worse and uh, I'll go a little more detail as we go further. And since pandemic made it worse, we didn't have any room to recover from that. So that was the one reason why we haven't recovered yet, because these things are going to take time, uh, all the shortages and all. And the second big thing is that still we are not fully recovered in several parts of the world. So don't think that uh, we, we are all back. We are still working at uh, limited capacity in different parts of the world. So that is also causing us to come back at full speed. So these are the two key reasons why we are not yet back. So we are going to take time for for many of the supply chains. uh, We are talking uh, early 2022 or even mid 2022 will not be back. And some of them may not work like we were working before COVID at all. Uh, It will look very different. What were the problems we were having pre-COVID that you talk about that have kind of been exacerbated. Can you kind of dig into that for me? The multiple things that led us to where we were. First of all, many supply chains, we don't have good visibility in the supply chain. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, so let's say that when when customers go and order something at Costco, you know, let's start with toilet paper and paper towel. That's the thing that we talked the most about in the last year. When they place an order, it takes some time for the manufacturers to really see that the demand has increased or decreased. And in certain supply chain, depending on the type of supply chain, the time it takes for the manufacturers to even see that change can take up to 50 days. Now, what happens is that if you're talking about this 50 days or so, uh, by the time they react, things have already become very bad. And when they start reacting, things might have already changed. The loss of visibility in the supply chain were the biggest problem. And we started realizing this problem around 15 to 20 years back. We started talking. But many supply chains could not do uh, complete visibility because of a couple of reasons. Number one, strategic reasons. I don't want to show my uh, demand pattern to all my supply chain partners. And second, we did not invest in enough IT to make that happen. Now, given that some of the supply chains did it very well, like Walmart with many of their uh, suppliers, they have real-time information sharing. But not many supply chains did that. 
and especially when the demand was very stable like paper towel toilet paper where demands are quite stable we did not feel a need to spend money on doing that so that was the first problem and it is all good when we are working in a when when the world is working perfectly but whenever there's a disruption happens then we get into trouble with that and second big problem was that uh, over reliance on certain countries like you know the the more than 80% of electronics parts are coming from china taiwan that reason and you know it's called china is called world's factory not only that many other things are coming from the, that area so any disruption in those regions will will cause a lot of ripple effect and that's what happened so now we are realizing that we need to diversify on that now these two things were going on for some time and we had not fixed that problem because it was not urgent so we are we are trying to cut cost on the first place it happened to cut cost anyway right we were trying to cut cost in the supply chain to be competitive and in order to cut cost we did not do the information sharing or uh, diversification so these were the two biggest problem and there are few more things we will discuss later but uh, those were the two main reasons that caused the supply chains to be so inflexible and not able to react in real time something i have heard in in the news and in discussions with other people who deal with supply chains is this idea that and i don't know if it's everywhere but in the us we're big fans of the just in time supply chain so that yeah. we don't have to store a lot of stuff it costs money to store stuff so we'll develop it and design it so that it comes in 6 hours later it's going out to or whatever the setup is but how much does having these just-in-time supply chains, when you throw in a disruption, it kind of, I guess, almost like a house of cards, it can collapse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To go back a little bit to the history, you know, just-in-time and all lean, what we call lean supply chains, they all started in 70s and 80s with uh, all the Japanese automakers as well as electronics, uh, electronics manufacturers. They started this idea that we should not have any extra inventory extra inventory is called waste and any waste is causing cost in the supply chain so why don't we keep what we need and don't keep anything extra now that is the the whole just in time is not a methodology or a process it's a whole philosophy uh, you have to build the whole ecosystem around that so if you want just in time you want to make sure you have a very good forecast of your demand Uh, all your suppliers are in in good reach so that you can get when you need and their suppliers are also in good reach so they can need whenever they need if you have such a system it works perfect so what dell did basically dell told their suppliers that you keep all your inventory so that i can pull it in just in time from you in in austin but you guys can keep some buffer that's fine but i will not keep any buffer i'll pull when i need it. so it was built in many different ways in some cases the whole supply chain was built in the same location but as we started moving towards global supply chain in uh, early 2000 then it started conflicting with just in time because then you can't have the whole supply chain just in time if you are trying to get one part from china and one part from europe you can't just have just in time so some parts of supply chain started becoming just in time somewhere not and that's how most of the supply chain evolved but by nature just in time does not give much room for disruptions however if we follow this as a philosophy we need to keep a room for uh, flexibility so 
when when form started becoming too rigid on just in time without giving any room that's where the problem started happening so we went just in time is not bad it's a great idea but we went too far even in just in time you have to keep some probability that i think things may go wrong this that we didn't we didn't account for that we thought world will go perfect and we'll be fine and even if it goes bad it will be little bit bad i will recover from that but there's no way you could have recovered from things like covid in those situation because world is down and it is not like for one week or two week for a month it is for long time so you know we need to rethink our strategy and there are newer technology which can help us in that but clearly the just in time played a big role in where we reached but no i will not blame it to just in time how we implemented just in time was the real problem i'm curious how much of the disruptions we're having are not having the goods in hand and how much is places have the goods but we hear so much of the worker shortage and i've heard a lot about truck driver shortage and such we don't have like company A has what you want in their warehouse, they just don't have the personnel to get it from A to you at B. How much, you know, does that figure into the problems as well? So of course it is a combination of that. Uh, you know, just in time becomes a problem only if uh, you know I'm not able to deliver when I need it, right? So when you say that all the trucking and transportation is the problem, these are all combined. just in time did not work in this case because we could not get item just on time now why we could not get just in time uh, there were two reasons two fundamental reasons for that one we could not manufacture the item second we could not transport the item and both are both are equally uh, responsible uh, it is very hard to say which one is more or less now if you think of the meat processing facilities uh, you know there the plant was the bigger problem okay but uh, at the same time you know our trucking were shortage uh, even the international containers and all they were uh, shortage so if you think of uh, electronics items i will say the electronics item were more hurt by the transportation than anything else because in china the factories started working very soon means they, they even started as early as august of 2020 but still we didn't have item because we could not transport them there was no way we could transport right similar thing happened with our food supply chain like for cheese products and all uh, they were coming from italy and another parts of europe now even when they backed up started working there was no way we could stop so lot of international items that we were getting were heavily hurt by the uh, transportation but even within us uh, you know we had a shortage of truck drivers and uh, we lot of trucks were not operating but the bigger problem for the domestic item was manufacturing so all the international thing they were more hurt by transportation more domestic was hurt bigger thing by manufacturing but you can't say that transportation did not play a role but i will say the smaller role in that right now think about transportation since you brought it this problem is ongoing means uk has such a big shortage of driver that last week they have released special visa to invite drivers truck drivers from other countries and they are in big mess because of that and they have a fuel shortage also they don't have petrol and all all the gas stations are out of uh, fuel so this is all combined that is hurting the transportation it's not one thing so that that's where we are right you mentioned you say we might not see back to quote unquote normal till 
early to mid 2022. Do you have any long-term concerns past that of the way our supply chains work, that there might be things that are are broken, that it's going to take a long time to fix? Or are you confident that we have our arms around what the problems are? They can't be fixed right away, but we know how to get there. My view is very simple here. A lot of supply chains right now are uh, working on fixing the problem long-term, not short-term. Okay, And many supply chains realize that. Now, those supply chains who are really looking for long-term solution, and I'll tell you what I meant by long-term solution. Long-term solution is that I talked about two issues, right? We don't have visibility in the process. That has been the big problem. And we did not keep any flexibility in our process, right? So how do I fix the visibility problem? In supply chain, there is a term we use. It's called bullwhip effect. Bullwhip effect simply means that Not everybody in supply chain has the same view of what is happening at the customer level. So how can I create visibility? You have to use newer technologies like we have blockchain. So many supply chains are moving towards blockchain. How does blockchain help us? Blockchain gives you complete visibility in mostly real time using all the sensors. So we need to use that along with IoT, Internet of Things, where they are using sensors at different steps in the supply chain and it can transfer in real time. One can always ask, is it cost effective? Well, many supply chains have done it. Walmart started doing it in 2018. They implemented it in China for many things and they started in US in 2019. This all happened before COVID. So they were in the process. They had told their spinach suppliers to have been blockchain by September 2019, otherwise you're out. So it's not that they have not done. Pharmaceutical companies, they had been already doing it for last three, four years. Now, other supply chains are already investing in that. Now, those who will do it, they will survive. Those who don't, they will certainly have long-term problem. If we feel that the COVID is gone and we will not have disruptions, we are fools here. Because, you know, it's a global supply chain. New problem will come that we can't even foresee. We only know that there will be disruption. So some supply chains who are investing heavily in these things, will will survive, those who don't will not. Another thing is that how do I create the flexibility? The biggest way we can create flexibility is that we create substitutability in the items. And what do I mean by that? What HP did with their printers is that rather than creating all these printers and storing, they started creating parts which can be used for many printers. Now, whichever demand comes, they can use those parts and create printers. Now, how can you do that? you need to create substitutability in the supply chain. Why we did not get paper towel or toilet paper? The biggest problem was that it's not that we started using them more. Yes, there was some hoarding going on, but the bigger problem was that the whole commercial demand moved to household demand because we are using it at home. So, you know, if we had substitutability in the process, we could substitute the commercial supply with the household supply, but we could not. Why? Because our manufacturing process required different papers, different rolling, different packaging. And and our system was so rigid that these manufacturers had no way to switch to them right away. It it will take a few months. And we didn't have a few months right there, right? So how can we create systems where we can switch? We can create more flexibility. And that's what supply chains are doing. So one is the visibility through blockchain, IoT kind of system. Another is create more substitutability in the process so that we can cater to 
any changes in demand very quickly or very swiftly. And we call it agile uh, supply chains. So the, the industry where they are moving in these two directions, they will be fine. Those who are not, they will keep seeing these problems again and again, and they will realize at some point they need to do that. Otherwise, um, we will have similar situations. To that point, I'm curious, in the short term, everyone's learning lessons and learn things. Do you think the, 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 the size of this event and the disruption we went through will sear into corporate mentality? Or do you think if you and I are talking 10, 15 years from now, and let's just assume there's not another disruption like this, we, I could ask you the question about how of supply chains, and you will have noticed that slowly companies, as they saw they could save a little money, save a little here, and all of a sudden a lot of the problems they had already experienced because – the disruptions really far in the rearview mirror. Uh, we regress to the old ways that uh, got us in trouble in the first place. Or do you think people have really learned their lesson? This has been kind of a, the shot of cold water that won't soon be forgotten. No, no, this is a good wake up call. And I will tell you, this is going hitting the culture of the companies. So I have seen many companies who had a uh, huge culture of not making big changes. Uh, or even small changes because they are making money and they think we are doing good. Even those companies are getting hit by this and the top management is talking about this. So it will have some major changes in supply chain, no doubt about that. And don't think that uh, people will forget and go back to old days. It's not happening uh, because, uh, you know, the, the many of the top management people are uh, talking, already talking and started investing in that. And I have been talking to many of these companies who are who I would not have thought of would even even consider these options. So it will certainly change in a whole supply chain in fundamental way, no doubt about that. Uh, we are not go going back to what we were. However, there is always a legacy in the in the system, and then uh, the, the the strong culture. So some of these large setups who have so inbuilt culture and legacy in that, and they make still making money, they are very resistant still to these things. And I see that uh, they the only way those companies can change is that if the top management comes and says that we are changing it, whether you like or not like. You know, we say this uh, carrot and stick options, right? So some companies are good because the culture is like that. Everybody will be happy to change. Some companies, there will be a big resistance to change. Because some people feel I will lose job or they don't want to change. Right? For those companies, this change can happen only if the top management comes and says that. Companies like Walmart, no problem. You know, they, are, they have always been very good in their supply chain and the whole culture is about being flexibility. But there are many large companies whose supply chain never worked out great, but still they have performed well in terms of the money. For them, I think it will take some time and they, we may not see these changes right away for some of the supply chains, uh, but many, many supply chains, we are fundamentally changing the way we work. So we will see some big shift. It will not be the complete solution, but we will see some big shifts after we recover next year from all this mess. And I'm curious, do you think it is a global economy, it is going to remain a global economy, but do you think this disruption we could see in the short term or not even, I don't mean in the short term, but a lot of companies look and go, you know what? 
we have we might save a little money by importing part X from India. Yeah. But this this company 400 miles away, two states over, makes a similar product and yeah, it'll cost us a little more, but for the next disruption it'll be a lot easier to just do a deal where we could literally almost just drive there and drive back. Could we see a little more onshoring of of companies uh for that reason, it just it might be a little safer, might cost a little more, but it's just easier to deal with. Yeah. So in sourcing, there are a few changes that has already started happening. Number one, in almost all industries, uh, the reliance on China is going to go down. Okay. So companies are moving out their factory, and and um, is, of course the disruption is one part of it, but also the trade war and that keeps happening uh, that the businesses are trying to have over-reliance on that, right? In any modern world, waiting for six months for a laptop is unacceptable. Now, whatever the reason for this was, it should not have happened. And one of the big reasons was that concentrated of all these things in one area, right? So we are already seeing that a lot of factories, Boeing is already thinking of moving their factory out. Apple, a lot of Apple suppliers are moving out of China. So one big shift, we will see that things moving out of China. Now, where are they going? They are going to, first of all, they find out that how can I find places which are still not very expensive, but more reliable and also diversified. But a lot of things are coming back to the U.S. It's happening, what you're talking, reshoring or onshoring, what we call it. It's happening. And another thing that is happening, so we will see that exactly what you're talking about, that firms realize that if, if they are here, then the disruptions will not cause so much disruption for our supply chain. Right? So we will see more things moving to the U.S. And I think in the long run, it is beneficial for many things because then they can have the green supply chain control a lot better. When, when you're working with overseas, sometimes whether your supply chain is really green is very hard to manage. Are they following all the labor laws? Very hard to follow. So it will not only help us in supply chain, I think it is very good for the society in general that we are moving back to the U.S. You will not see that the whole supply chain moving back to the U.S. for cost reasons. But it will move out of China, Taiwan regions. It will move to other parts of Asia, even a little bit to Europe or Mexico and so on. Another thing that we are thinking now, that think of suppliers. What is your best supplier? Is somebody who can deliver whenever I need, right, in the right amount. And the best way to do it is that 3D printing. Now, 3D printing, I can print whenever I want with zero lead time. Right? The problem with 3D printing, they are expensive. So another big push is going, and 3D printing is expensive mainly not because of the 3D printer, but because of the material used in printing. So the big research right now going on on how to reduce the cost of material. And for things like spare parts and all, Companies are already started investing in 3D printing. So that's another big thing that we will say. You can think 3D printing as a, a reliable supplier, which is next to me. Okay, That will also reduce reliance on the, uh, the, the world uh, market uh, for us. So these two changes that moving out of that one region, as well as uh, and bringing uh, onshore, as well as using things like 3D printing will change the dynamics of the whole uh, supply chain, uh, what we are seeing right now. Another thing that I will point out for the logistic, at least in the US, we have a big push for autonomous trucks. You know, autonomous cars, we will see a lot later, but all these driverless trucks will come earlier because of the shortage of um, 
drivers and all we will see it there and some other countries are not that big into that because for some other countries drivers are not a problem problem is the fuel cost which is also there in autonomous trucks unless they go all electric which they will go so they have more push on electric trucks rather than autonomous but us uh, it makes complete sense for the supply chain and for much of this the the main thing we've heard like you know i go to the the grocery store and i notice certain things without a rhyme or reason aren't there it's not a you know it's not a panic buying or anything it's just supply chain issues but one constant we i've heard for the last year or so has been the shortage of computer chips and yeah. that the ripple effect or more than a ripple the direct effect of the effects it's having on the automotive industry uh how big is that in the scheme of things and is that something you anticipate that timeline of early to mid 2022 or could this be a, a longer lasting problem at least mid 2022 at least uh, can it go longer i hope not the the measures they are taking i don't think it should go more than mid 2022 but this all depends on how fast they can back up and all right now they are claiming that they are they are working very hard to do that but there is no way they can fix this problem in uh, less than 9 10 months so at least that much will go on it can go longer uh, but i i hope not and my my uh, uh, my estimation is not we will be pretty okay by that time because we are we are trying to recover on that see all the semiconductor industry and all is is going on computers a lot of work to home lot of computers came but at the same time now you're going to realize the demand is going to little bit dip because people are going back to work and they will not order the same time same type of equipment for work of home this year right even lot of organizations are putting limits on what you can buy people were ordering all sort of thing last year because i'm working from home i need this i need that they realize that some of them were not even needed so they are cutting down on that so that will certainly reduce a lot of load uh, now we have a backlog and we have to meet that and and you told the automobile industries also need those uh, those chips and all and we are on the backlog but when the demand little bit lessens the the capacity is at the full speed i think will be fine um, and by next year we will happen but we will have another disruption because as i told they are trying to move out of china for many of these parts right so that may cause also temporary uh, disruption because you know transition and all but I, i will not expect that to be that long term they will plan well so that you know they can easily transition out there so i think the the most expected scenario is mid 2022 we should start seeing things coming back to normal in semiconductor industry we should be we should be better than that uh, one more factor that can play out in the both short to long run is that uh we are talking about all this information visibility and all the logistic companies are sitting with lot of data but in last two years many of the ransomware attacks have happened in logistic companies now that is a big bad sign for the whole global supply chain uh, why they are attacking this uh, uh, logistic company because they are sitting on lot of data and they know that even if their data is not visible to them for one day they can lose millions of dollars and that i think those kind of problems are unseen problems they have just started we don't have solution so in the long term we have to see what we can do right now we don't really have a solution because those attacks are starting from 
unknown places and so on. So that is, a, I will say, the more long-term threat we are facing right now. And unless we start right now, we are all focused on fixing what we had. Nobody's really spending a lot of money and resources on uh, uh, fixing this kind of uh, ransomware attack or any cyber attack. But if we don't fix that, it can hurt our supply chain big time in the long run too. So we need to, we should start looking forward or, or forward looking to solve those problems. We should certainly do That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.